This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to another episode of How Gen Y Buy. I'm your host, Nathan Smith. Uh, Today in the studio, we have Luke, the Director of Ambient Construction. So we're going to take a break again from the first home buyers and actually hear from an expert who's working within the industry and who's also been successful with property himself. Welcome, Luke. Thanks for having me. Popped in on, uh, was this a lunch break or uh, stepped away from the site? Uh, yeah, we'll call it lunch. Fantastic. Excellent. And uh, we've caught a bit of a gap here, I think. There is some building going on upstairs, so fingers crossed we don't have too much in the background and we can fly through this one. Now, you're working as a builder. Where are you predominantly based? Uh, based in Southern Shire. Uh, we work anywhere as south as Wollongong and then as north as pretty much Mossman kind of area. Yeah, and your team at the moment, how many are within uh, the team? We're a team of almost 20, I think. Office admin, uh, anywhere from the labourers, carpenters, got our own uh, plumber on the team, construction managers, and obviously myself and Andrew, my business partner. Perfect. And so what actually drew you to becoming a builder? I was always good with my hands at school, did a lot of the design technology. Um, started an apprenticeship in carpentry, which I pretty well enjoyed and then just enjoyed I think a bit more than the hands-on one of the bigger picture which led me into my builders course uh, just studying through TAFE and then had the on-site experience to right. qualify as a builder yeah and did you team up with your business partner at that stage well, I actually and- met Andrew at TAFE yeah we did our trade together but then also the builders course okay and the business just is continuing to grow from there how are you uh, how are you finding managing the, yeah, the well, larger teams 10 years in now uh, almost 10 years yeah it seems to be Continual growth. I think we're probably at the size we need to be now. Any bigger, we're probably getting a bit uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty comfy where we are with the market that, that we're in. Fantastic. Now, the reason I've got you on the show today is that some first-home buyers are buying existing property or buying brand-new property for the plan, but there's certainly some who are saying, I can't start in a unit. I'm either approaching an age where we want to have family or we've got family and we need to start with something bigger. Yep. Um, and quite often we are seeing those incentives coming in for people to buy brand new property and build their own property uh, rather than buying existing stock. So for those first home buyers, when they're first considering buying something brand new, where should they start? Uh, I guess the age old thing is location, location, location. Uh, where do you work? Where do you live? Where's your family? I'm not really a property uh, guru, but they're the common sense little traits there. And then I guess you decide whether you you need the yard, you need the maintenance. Uh, In today's lifestyle, seems to be becoming uh, less of a requirement. Whilst the demand's always there, we don't tend to have the time to maintain them. So maybe look to do the the smaller, more manageable property. Yeah, I find that too. I've got I've got a house for the backyard at the moment. It's a I hate more than anything going yeah, out and having to mow the lawn. Of you know, we've got the kids on the weekend. You've got a bit of time off work, and you're having to go out and push the mower around. So, yeah, um, yeah you're right. There is certainly a trend now. People looking for um, lifestyle based on where the amenities are, as opposed to having that quarter acre yeah, block exactly in their backyard. Right. Yeah. So, if a first home buyer has decided that they want to build or they want to buy something that they can then renovate and do up, 
what should what sort of questions should they initially start with either for a, a builder or brokers where should they begin yep uh, i guess like any key it's always budget um so perhaps speaking to your broker first might be the best starting point understand your capacity have a comfort capacity but then maybe have your overstretched dream capacity um, probably something you guys would be looking to guide them with um, and then always start out in the comfort zone and uh, yeah. you'll probably wind up in the overstretched when it comes to building and renovating yeah. but I guess it's uh, it's all value adding towards your asset anyway so think bigger picture. So where do you see that? Is it people start to the basic figure and a price and then they say well, well while we're doing that we may as well fix this or we may as well add this? Yeah so pretty good question with your renos there's always a bit of an unforeseen or a flowing effect uh, and then once you get involved people are quite inspired uh, they tend to watch the block come up with some great ideas um, so we see obviously a lot of people I guess they're kind of just desiring the high quality finishes yeah just from a, a living in comfort perspective more than anything but then on the the new build front it's a very similar scenario so your, your fixed cost might be there at the start but then the dream or the wish list kind of just grows and things are implemented during. So if somebody's looking at an older-style property, um, they've headed out to open houses, they can't necessarily afford that brand-new place, they want something a little bit more run down. Yep. Is there any key things that they should be looking at that are going to be quite expensive down the track? You're probably your bathrooms and your kitchens are your biggest spends, uh, which are probably the first things we all want to tackle. Uh, and I guess based on that, then your plumbing and your electrical uh, being, I guess, your two licensed trades that you always have to rely on. It's not the sort of thing you want to have a go at yourself. Um, just kind of make sure that's, I guess, current, fresh, up to up to speed or kind of budget around that. So how hard is that, though? I mean, I know very little about building. How hard is it to go into a property and know what the electrical work's like behind the scenes or the plumbing? Yeah, uh, I guess maybe that's where you want to talk to. Maybe, yeah, to have a chat with a builder uh, if you know anyone that, that is of reasonable handyman kind of ability. Or just got a bit of general building knowledge, get them to have a look, I guess, before you sign the dotted line, just yeah. to know what you are, yeah, know what you're getting involved in. And there's a couple of different ways, I guess, then, when somebody's decided to do building and speak to a builder, how they can actually uh, organise a contract. There's more of a fixed-style contract or there's a – is it a cost plus? Yeah, cost plus basis. Yeah. yeah. So explain the difference between those two. Uh, well, I guess – well, so kind of as it says, it's a fixed fixed cost based on a set of plans or a set of specification. Uh, otherwise, it's a can be referred to as cost plus or a do and charge basis, whereby you might be issued some rates of charge as a basis to start with, and then maybe an estimate as to what the builder thinks the total cost will come in at. Um, but generally, the cost plus is based around something without detailed plan specs and. I guess maybe a few too many unforeseen to be able to commit to. Um, so rather than have a fixed price full of holes, you basically just proceed on a pretty much a, an honesty and a trust basis in hope that everything goes to plan. And what are you seeing as a breakdown between those two style of contracts? Do you do one more than the other? Probably we do a bit of both. Um, in the renovation, we, we're tending to push people towards the, the do and charge uh, just so it's fair on everyone. Um, no one wants to sign up for a fixed price contract but then be told that there's unforeseens and here's a variation, here's a variation, here's a variation. Uh, it gets a bit messy towards the end and uh, kind of builds a bit of a – well, not builds, but ends up in a bit of a lack of trust, I think. Um, the client seems to – I guess, as you said, you, someone like yourself with little building knowledge, they're always going to question whether the builder's having a go or whether, you know, they're, they're putting in an honest claim. 
So uh, it's it's nice to think you could go fixed cost, but it doesn't always work in yeah. the in the older homes. Is you know there's a lot of unforeseen. Yeah, and when you're doing a fixed cost, you have to put buffers in place and allowances because you just yeah. don't know where that, that final. Price yeah, so is going to be. there's always a contingency. Um, and I guess that'll depend on the builder you, you choose. It's pretty competitive at the moment, um, despite how busy it is. So big lumpy contingencies don't really exist, but uh, there's always something in there. But it doesn't mean the builder can obviously take, you know, too many hits along the way. Otherwise, they, you know, kind of really shouldn't be there. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because from a bank's point of view and, and listening to the lenders out there, they certainly have a preference of a fixed price contract um, over a cost plus contract. I don't yep. know if you've ever seen a client come back and need it amended or changed. Yep. Um, the, from a bank's point of view, they, they like the certainty of saying, well, at the end of it, this is what we'll have done. Yeah, definitely. Um, and they don't see those run on costs, which can potentially happen, like you said, as the wish list increases or unknown costs come up with, uh, we've got those, those things to come across. So just be conscious that when you are looking and speaking to a builder, uh, perhaps speak to a broker or your bank at the same time and just see uh, what they're uh, what they're requiring and what they're needing in order to proceed. Because yeah, there are if your borrowing capacity is quite tight or you've got limited equity in the property, sometimes the banks are saying we'll only do this as a fixed price contract as opposed to the um, build. Now yourself, you've purchased property, you've invested personally. Yep. How have you found that experience? I think. How long has it been since you purchased your first property? Uh, I started out uh, just as I turned 19. I bought my first unit, um, still living at home with the parents, which was a blessing. Uh, jumped on the first home buyer's grant back then, which was for existing dwellings also, uh, which I believe also just come back into play. Um, so that was a big head start. Um, if anything, I could recommend it would be just get in early, uh, which is probably a bit harder now than maybe it used to be. But um, I guess if you've got the goal there, it's always achievable. Um, and then going through it, I probably haven't looked back and the way the market's gone at late, I'm uh, pretty happy with, with the decisions I made. Yeah, so you've continued to build that portfolio over a period of time. You started yep. again in a in a unit, did some further investing and then was able to upgrade and step into a house as well. Yeah, correct. So there was a little bit of growth in the first two to three years, uh, which saw me buy another unit uh, a bit closer to the inner city, uh, another bit of rental stock. Obviously, I didn't have to move in. In that on that occasion, um, so I've still got that also, and just yeah, managed to try and hang on to everything I can buy. Great. Now you've started to have a dabble, we say, in uh, in developing yep. with your business partner. Is that something you'd recommend for everyone, or is it, what are the what are the hurdles or 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 uh, additional work that has to go into doing that? Yep. Uh, I guess it's how comfortable you are with property and understanding the markets. Um, we've obviously got the building knowledge and I guess the upper hand to build our own product, which is always handy. Um, so we just bought ourselves a cheaper home down the south coast, uh, just to have a, I guess, a, a low risk startup in that sort of game, uh, which turned out really well. And we've since bought another, uh, to, as a subdivision block. And we're just in the stages now of completing a, a four bedroom home on that. So, um, I guess if you're comfortable in that, in that field and you've maybe, You've had a dabble before. I wouldn't suggest that's maybe your first first investment as a first home buyer, um, but perhaps if you can find a block big enough that there's some future potential in it, maybe that's always a good starting point. Yeah, I've got a first home buyer at the moment who's doing that exact same thing. So 
uh, wants to just get into the market and buy that property, but does see the potential for it down the track to, yeah. to subdivide and put some townhouses on it. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a stage two or stage three of investing as opposed to just uh, the the purchase, put a tenant in, set and forget. That's certainly um, yeah, exactly a straightforward right. and simple way of doing it. So when you're finding that block, what what things were you looking for for the development sites? Predominantly based on size, uh, the council rules are fairly straightforward. There's probably six to ten things that you, you're going to check off immediately um, to make sure it does qualify for the strata title or Torrance title subdivision. Um, and then after that, obviously, you, you look a little bit deeper into it. Where's the sewer on the block? Uh, you know, can you get a second driveway in? All the all the little things that you know make that next product that much more rentable or saleable. But the, the key elements are pretty basic. Um, it's all based around land size and then the council zoning, which is the most critical. And how do you make sure you're not paying too much for that block? How do you make sure you're not paying too much for anything? Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just research, yeah, right? research, know yeah. the market. Yeah. I think it's all pretty easy. It's at our fingertips. Mm. Um, realestate.com, domain, it's kind of all there. Research the local area, drive down there or to there, wherever it may be. Um, just spend a day just in that demographic to understand who's around, who's going to work, who's not at work. What the shops and are just, like. I yeah, think it's a big yeah one, you're right. It? See what the shops are like, what's the transport like. I guess all the things you'd look at as to whether you would live there and whether you could see yourself living there or who it might be that would be coming to look at purchasing that off you down the track. Yeah, perfect, excellent. So for a first home buyer approaching a builder, quite often they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they should ask, what they shouldn't ask. Is there any tips that you'd say if you're going to see your builder in the next few months, these are the sort of things you should be asking? That's kind of a bit of a how long's a piece of string. A builder could tell you as much as you want to hear or as little as you want to hear, but I think focus on the key elements of what you're aiming to achieve. Uh, so we find most people are pretty reluctant to cough up their budget which really doesn't help a builder at all because we have no idea what you're trying to achieve. So the reason I'd be doing that was thinking, well, if I tell you I've got 300 to spend, yep. you're going to give me a quote for 300? Yeah, we'll Is that right? That's, that's the mentality from what we can understand. Uh, more often than not, people are going to try and spend more than they even have as a budget. So it's sometimes good just to have a pretty frank conversation up front and just put that one to bed kind of nice and early on. It enables us to guide you in the right direction of what, what you can do, whether you can't do what you want. There might be other options, but I guess that's all down to the builder too, uh, whether there's someone you know, pretty honest, trustworthy, whether they've got experience in the industry trying to do what you're doing or whether they build what, what it is you're trying to do. Um, that's why it's good to maybe kind of shop around or rely pretty heavily on word of mouth. It seems referrals and recommendations are probably predominantly most of your business. Yeah, pretty much builders. to date. Um, is there any parts that you're seeing – where people who are new to building or are first home buyers, where they're getting caught or confused as to where they need to go next? I think maybe as a first home buyer, uh, as you said, the banks are kind of keeping a pretty tight kind of handle on it. So a lot of them are probably the new developments where they're bigger project builders. They've done it many, many times before, and they're all pretty tight contracts. The inclusions are all there. It's all stated. If it's not, you're probably paying for it. And I think generally if it is a genuine first home buyer, they're not dreaming too big and they're probably pretty content with just having that nice new home there. How long would a normal build take? Is there a set time or that really depends on uh, Yeah, it'll all depend on, on the product, yep, yeah, most definitely. Fantastic. Your role, so once we've they've settled on a loan, they've got access to money, you start on the build, what does a client need to do during that building process with you? 
there's not too much involvement unless they want to be involved. Um, to elaborate on that, obviously, your fixtures and fittings, most people want to pick their flooring, um, their taps, their handles, all those sorts of glossy little touch-on sort of items. If they can have all that prepared early on, that's always very, very handy. Let's the builder understand the level of finish that you are expecting. And you can also control your costs quite a lot through the finishes. You quite often spend a large chunk of the budget just on those installation items at the end being the fixtures and fittings. Are people spending too much on those, do you think? Generally quite speaking, often yeah. It's always they the way. get suckered into the, uh, the more expensive handles when yep. the handle doesn't particularly matter. Yeah, it doesn't do too much. So do you give that advice back to them and say, look, is, is it necessary to spend yep. X amount Per dollar on a handle, is, yeah, that, what, we, what is that going to add to your property? It's a it's a tough conversation to have. Um, quite often you're telling people they can't have what what it is that they're, they're trying to achieve in the first place. They want that finished product, the high-end appliances, the, um, the showy, shiny bits and pieces. There's probably not enough thought going into the bones of the structure anymore. Um, everyone's just more concerned about the finishes, which it's a little bit of a shame and probably like the, some, wa- the wow factor. Yeah, it's the wow it? factor. Yeah, you nailed yeah, it there. Yeah. But, um, maybe some advice for the first time, first time buyers is to look at the bones and the structure. Finishes and fixtures and fittings can change anytime, um, fairly cost effectively. But if, if you've got bad bones from the starting point, it's, it's really going to add up pretty quick. And they date too, fixtures and fittings. Yeah, correct. It's kind of a season. the right thing. bones and, and they trend. stay, you can change the, um, Change the you know the cupboard doors yeah, and the handles over quite easily and, and move them around. So what's next for the company? What do you see? Where do you see yourself going? Uh, we do enjoy the development side of things. Uh, that's something we'd like to do a lot more of. Obviously, as anyone in the market knows, money's you know it's all there, but it's not not readily available as we might like. So once um, yeah, once we get a bit more of a backing or a bit more behind us, we'd, we'd probably look to do something like that. While you're continuing to do the yeah, we'll still I think we'll still build for clients. It's something we enjoy doing. We love to deliver the product. We love to see them enjoy the product. So that'll always exist. But we'd like to yeah, maybe just deliver our own product on the market too. Just something for for people to buy brand new. Perfect. And for first home buyers who are listening and they're wanting to see builder, what's that one final tip you've got for them to take away from today? I'm just going to say you got time on your side, so. If you're listening now and you're planning to buy your first home, I think just save, save, save. Focus on buying that first home. Um, maybe reconsider the holidays, the fast cars, all the other bits and pieces, and just maybe appreciate they can come at any time. But in the housing market, getting in sooner rather than later is probably the, the one leg you'll have up. Yep. It's, a, it's the same advice we hear from everyone, I think, is trying delay gratification on those toys and, yep. and holidays and uh, spend time in the market and uh, and let the market do what it needs to do. Luke, thanks very much for coming along. Pleasure. Um, if anybody wants some more information on what you guys can do and how they can help you, is the website the best place to go? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so go to ambientconstructions.com.au. We'll put a link down in the story so you can get that. Yeah, it's a good starting point for sure. My two key takeaways from today really are to make sure that you focus on the structure of the property rather than the bells and whistles. Uh, the bones of the property are the thing that's going to last the longest, so make sure that they're solid and that you've done your correct homework in relation to those. And the second one really is just to take your time when buying. Make sure you ask lots of questions and get advice from experts so that you make the right decision the first time. For those listening on iTunes, please take the time to give us some feedback on what you think of the podcast so far. 
Uh, if you can leave us a review, we'd love it. Five stars, obviously fantastic, but any feedback you can give us would be brilliant. Uh, it really helps us to improve the show and allow a lot more people to be listening into it. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of How Gen Y Buy. I'm your host, Nathan Smith, and we'll be back in a fortnight with another first home buyer. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.